Keep in mind, this is a military expedition, and they put it to vote. And everybody's vote counted, that you can see in their journals where they tallied the votes. And I always love to point out that Sacagawea, a woman, voted Uh uh, in 1805, and York, Clark's African-American slave, voted. Welcome to the Elevate Media Podcast with your host, Chris Anderson. In this show, Chris and his guests will share their knowledge and experience on how to go from zero to successful entrepreneur. They have built their businesses from scratch and are now ready to give back to those who are just starting. Let's get ready to learn, grow, and elevate our businesses. And now your host, Chris Anderson. Today, we've got a great guest on. Local, for me, I just realized another Hoosier here. So we're going to have another episode in the future where we get to do it in person and have a conversation, which I'm excited for. But we got Jeff Tun on the show today. Jeff, there's a lot about him. Go check out his website, jeffreystun.com. Find out all about him because he's, he's doing a lot of cool stuff, especially in the IT space. But he's an author, Amplifier Job Search, and he's also the host of the Status Go podcast. Jeff, welcome on the show today. Chris, it's, it's great to be here and great to be on a podcast with a fellow user. I love that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one we do in person one day. I think that'll be fun to do as well. But to kind of kick things off, Jeff, I got a little icebreaker question. Okay. We can find out a little bit more about you. Maybe something no one's asked before. But curious, what is the strangest thing you have ever eaten? The strangest thing I have ever eaten? Wow. Let me (laughs) think about that for a second. Sure. I, while yeah. you're thinking on it, I can share mine. Yeah, well, you well, share yours. And- yeah, so I actually went to China a handful of years ago and walking down this little street, all the vendors selling things. And I was with a group of guys. And one thing they were selling were these like tarantulas. They're about four inches, four and a half inches across. And someone was like, if I pick anything out of here, I bet you won't eat it. And I said, I bet you I will at least try it. And so they picked a tarantula and a centipede. And uh, I took a bite of both and swallowed it down. and. Didn't have much taste. It kind of just crunchy emptiness almost with a little oil taste. But yeah, that's probably the weirdest thing I've ever eaten. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So mine's on the same vein, similar, but mine was at least chocolate covered. So it's <laughs> chocolate covered grasshoppers. Oh, okay. And I forget exactly where we were. It was somewhere here in the U.S. I've eaten <laughs> some strange stuff internationally. But the chocolate covered grasshopper had to be the one that was that crunch just kind of turned your stomach a little bit. It's something. <laughs> yeah, it's something for sure, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah that's, is there anything you would never eat like that you've seen people eat or heard of people eating and you're like, nope, not for a million dollars? Tarantula. I don't think I can hear that. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was something for sure. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. Now, it's interesting too. I was looking through your bio and, and everything, and you have a, a way to explain leadership that stuck out to me. One, because I like history and I like, I kind of nerd out on that a little bit. Uh-huh. And of course, leadership, always trying to develop and become better in that aspect. But you have a, a an idea around leadership that's based on Lewis and Clark. Yeah. What, I guess, what stemmed that or how'd you come about figuring that or creating that? leadership traits from Lewis and Clark. So I guess the best way to tell it is I rediscovered the story. Gosh, it's probably been 24 or five years ago. Now it was 98 or 99. And I stumbled on a local author 
does fiction based on fact. And uh, James Alexander Tom, he's from, was from Bloomington. He passed away last year. And he wrote a book called From Sea to Shining Sea, which was the story of the Clark family. And in it, I kind of fell in love with the story of William Clark. I realized that he was the younger brother of George Rogers Clark. Whether I knew that as a kid or not, I don't know. (laughs) But I can remember as a kid writing a book report on George Rogers Clark. So I just fell in love with this story. And it was around the year 2003 by then. And my wife and I decided that we were going to travel the Lewis and Clark Trail and try to be in the exact spots they were 200 years after they were there. Oh, wow. Because it was the bicentennial. They left on their journey in 1804. And so every vacation, every long weekend, we're we're doing a section of the trail. And I think my boss at the time, his name's Ron West, Ron's a great guy. And I think he was getting tired of hearing me talk about Lewis Clark all the time. (laughs) And he challenged me. He said, Jeff, you know what you ought to do? You ought to find the leadership lessons in Lewis and Clark. And it's like, I'm like, dude, come on. They're dead 200 years ago. What, what can we possibly learn from Lewis and Clark that would apply in business today? But I took him up on the challenge and found an incredible amount of leadership lessons from these two men and the other people that went on the core of discovery with them in lessons that apply today. So I wrote a small little ebook about it. Everything I learned about leadership, I learned from Lewis and Clark. And through that, one of my clients, one of my current clients found that ebook and asked me to help develop a leadership development program that we host out in Skamania, Washington. It's about 45 miles east of Portland. Uh, and we bring leaders and wannabe leaders from all over the country there. And we spend three days studying Lewis and Clark, but most importantly, the leadership lessons that we can mm. derive from Lewis and Clark. Incredibly powerful. And as you can tell, I get really excited talking about that. No, I think that's really cool and a neat way to kind of connect the history to today because like you said originally you're like these guys have been gone 200 years what are we going to learn and we still can learn from them which i think is Absolutely. really cool yeah because i was just I, I did a recording recently and it basically saying that, like there's nothing new under the sun like we're learning basically the same thing in a different way with different technologies or different yeah. parameters but it's all kind of the same so with that we don't have to dive into all 10 obviously people can go find your ebook still right oh yeah absolutely it's Perfect. on my linkedin profile you can Perfect. get it for free so like, what are, I guess what's kind of, we'll go through a couple like of your favorite ones that you found like when connecting leadership to Lewis and Clark. Well, I tell you, gosh, there, there are so many in the program that we do. We go through five major themes. We go through vision, team building, overcoming obstacles, developing resilience and proceeding on in the face of burnout and distraction. But I have to go back to my ebook. And the one that really jumps out for me is some of the ways that they did decision making. They had this, they never really explain in their journals some of the reasons behind this, but they had this innate ability to approach different decisions in different manners. So, for example, at 
a place that's today called Decision Point. It was the confluence of two rivers that they weren't expecting. And so they sent scouting parties up one side and down the other, gathering all the input from the rest of the Corps. And they were convinced that the Southern Channel was the proper channel. Everybody else, so 31 other people, believed the Western Channel was the proper channel. Yet the captains were convinced, and they made the call, we're going on the Southern Channel. But they took the time, and I think this is the lesson out of this, they took the time to explain why, their reasoning. And they did it in such a way that the Corps says, yes, we, were, we are ready to follow you in or anywhere. We will follow you on the Southern Channel. History tells us they were correct, right? Uh-huh. That's one example of a decision-making style. Fast forward to they're now on the West Coast, and they have to decide where to camp for the winter. And to you and I that are used to the rivers here in Indiana, camping north of the river or south of the river is nothing, right? Right. But they're deciding on north or south of the Columbia River, and the mouth of the Columbia River is two and a half miles across. The weather is dramatically different north and south. The terrain's dramatically different. And so keep in mind, this is a military expedition, and they put it to vote. And everybody's vote counted that you can see in their journals where they tallied the votes. And I always love to point out that Sacagawea, a woman, voted Uh uh, in 1805. And York, Clark's African-American slave, voted in 1805. Mm, And their votes counted. So here's another decision that they used a different methodology to make the decisions. And I believe as leaders, we're called upon to know what types of situations require what types of decisions. It's Mm. not always, we're not always able to manage by consensus. Sometimes we do majority rules like they did on the West Coast. And other times it's stroke of the pen and they say, no, we're taking the Southern Channel. And we have to know how to do that as leaders. Yeah, that's, and that's what I was, once you're telling that story, that's what I was saying. Like there are moments as leaders where Yes, you take in the opinions of your team, of those around you. But at the end of the day, like you're in charge of the ship. And so like you have to make the call. But I think what you mentioned there that they did was the super crucial part, the super crucial point where they explained why. Like, hey, we hear you. We hear what you're saying you think is the best route as as your leaders. This is what we've decided. Yeah. Taking all the information in and here's why. And yeah. because of that, the team was on board with it. Yeah. That core they, group they was on board. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something, I don't know if we're missing it nowadays or if it's just less prevalent, but like the leader, I mean, everything rises and falls on the leader. Right. Right. People say, well, why are they getting all the credit as the team that succeeded? But when things go down, even if it was the team that dropped the ball, the leader, or at least they should, they t- carry that as well. That's on them as well. And so I think, absolutely, I think absolutely. that's just a crucial piece. A, a cool part of that story is some people might hear that and say, well, they didn't listen to their team. They just <laughs> had an ego and they did what they wanted. But I think sharing the reason why they chose that. And, and yeah. yeah. It's, well, it's, it's a teaching moment, a coaching mm-hmm. moment. You can, they explain why we're doing this, not just because I said so. Right. Yes. And I think that is 
That's so important. I mean, even in our personal lives, right? Explaining to our kids why we're doing something or, or in my case, our grandkids, why we're doing something. That why is important because it teaches them the reasoning and the process that you go through. They could have said South Channel right off the bat and said, nope, we're moving forward. But instead they stopped and they sent out these uh, scouting parties to try to yep. figure out the right way. Yeah. I, and that, yeah, I think that as leaders is like anyone trying to grow a brain that's those are all things to consider like and it's a lot like it's not i mean leadership is not an easy walking apart thing you have to i mean there's a lot that goes into and a lot of things you have to balance and and but then they show again on the west coast hey we're going to change our decision making on this one and go with majority why do you think they did that change you think it was just because of the situation do you think But yeah, why do you think they did it that way instead of them just making the decision and saying why? I think, I think a lot of it played into it. One was the criticality of the situation, right? They were faced with in, in, in the decision on the West coast, they were faced with being uncomfortable versus at decision point. It's we got to cross the the mountains this season. And if we don't, we're probably done. So it was a much more critical decision. But I also think that they now, as a team, they'd been together for almost three years by the time they get out there, two and a half years probably. And they've built this level of trust with each other. Trust in the captains. The captains trusted the core. The core trusted each other. And I think that led to a different environment than perhaps that they met at decision point. They'd, they'd survived the challenge of crossing the Rocky Mountains in the winter <laughs> and almost starved to death as they crossed the mountains. And so they're kind of now this team that just can do anything, right? Yeah. And they have that level of trust. With that's, each other. that's huge too. Like, could you think about that? Like, if you think about the Rocky Mountains, if you think about crossing <laughs> that on foot, maybe with some mules or horses, well, maybe. Some horses. horses. Yeah. Like thinking about crossing that in winter with, yeah, it just, that just blows my mind for one. And like, like you just think about like on your entrepreneurship journey, like how often or like when you think of those times where you feel like you're crossing or trying to climb this mountain and just all these obstacles. And once you get through, like you do kind of feel like, I can do anything. Like I, I can yep, overcome yep. that mountain, but then there's always something next that right, that's right. a bigger obstacle, but we're prepared a little bit better for it to get through. And I think that's just kind of just picturing them doing that is just, yeah. Well, I really think cool. there's a great lesson in, in that for entrepreneurs as we, we do encounter these mountain experiences, right. And we cross yeah. the mountains. And I think one of the lessons that, that I pull out of Lewis and Clark at that time is they do a great job most of the time in celebrating victories. And what they really failed to do when they crossed those mountains is celebrate that victory. And I think they were so anxious to get from there to the Pacific coast that they don't really take the time to say, holy cow, look at what we just did. And I think as business leaders, our teams are waiting for us to celebrate. And I find that a lot of times we say to the team, oh, you guys go celebrate. 
let's have a dinner or let's go grab some drinks. And we don't go, right? Because we're busy. We right. let them go celebrate. And it's like, no, you got to celebrate those milestones with them. Mm-hmm. The celebration does a couple of things. And Satya Nadella of Microsoft was a, is a genius at this, celebrating the small victories, not even the mountaintop yeah. victories, because he knows that's how you, you not only celebrate what's past, but it helps you transition to what's next. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned this, Chris, the kind of what's next part. And if you don't make that transition as a leader, you're going to get stuck. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's important. And it's something like, it's funny. I think we always deal with it as leaders or as the owners or whatever you want to call yourself. Like I know I do. Like you almost forget the little wins because you're so yeah. focused on like getting to that next level. Like I've had to tell myself like literally this year, like, Hey, look what like you have accomplished already. Like, yeah, hope, yeah, like yeah. celebrate those. Like, cause I forget yeah. sometimes. And it's important. Look at the number of episodes that you've put out this year, Chris. I yeah. mean, it, it's incredible. And we fail to celebrate when we close out an episode and we post it, right? We're on to the yeah. next. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great point to remember. Like, you've got to remember those. You got to celebrate yeah. those little moments because it makes the journey a little bit more manageable, especially when you're like, you are climbing a mountain. Those little moments work. So, with that, like, do you remember a moment that you like celebrated? Like uh, that was just a big victory and you actually remember like taking time to celebrate? Oh man, I was going to go the opposite. And so I'll answer your question here yeah. in a second. But I think one of the challenges we have for solo entrepreneurs, right? Is who do we celebrate the victory with? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know about you, but my cat's tired of me trying to give it high fives. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. But I think we have to find peers that understand, right? Understand what we're going through. Sometimes our spouses don't even really understand exactly what that's like and so that we can celebrate those milestones. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, the milestone or the big thing that jumps out for me, and this was years ago, and it's, I can still remember the feeling like it was yesterday. I was, I was chief information officer for Loth Property Group, a commercial real estate developer here in our neck of the woods, Chris. And we had developed an IT strategic plan. And it was one of the first things that first duties that I was having to do as CIO. And we had this great plan. We had mountains of material that we were going to, we were going to roll out, but we, what we were missing was our story. We could tell the story of what we're trying to do to this executive team that were not technologists right? They just, that was not their thing. What they were, they were real estate developers. They knew how to take big risks. They knew how to move dirt and get buildings upright. And so a friend of mine who also worked at Loth came up with this idea that they make all these decisions based on, they called it the executive memo. And it's a document. And no matter what building they were building, all these decisions were made based on the document in the same format. And so he said, well, why don't you put your strategic plan in that format, right? And so we did. We created this investment memo, this executive investment memo that was our strategic plan. We even started calling our projects in construction terms, right? So that it would tie in. And so here I am, I'm presenting in front of the executive team. This is like my first presentation in front of this group. I'm a brand new first time CIO, nervous as hell. And we give this presentation and I can remember it to this moment. 
Greg Gernick, our CEO, Greg leans back in his chair, puts his hand behind his head when we're all done. And he says, that's the first time I ever understood IT. <laughs> oh my gosh. I wanted to jump and high five. I'm holding it in until the meeting's over and I'm running down the hallway, high fiving my boss, high fiving my team, just celebrating that victory that they understood what we were trying to say. It was awesome. Mm, that is cool. Yeah. When you can make that breakthrough or when you have those breakthroughs, like all that work and all that yeah. time and all that effort, like it's one, it's like a relief, but it's just, yeah, it's so that that's awesome that's a cool thing and with reverse of that though entrepreneurs business owners we all have obstacles we all have times that are that that they suck just be open and transparent they just suck it's not an easy road entrepreneurship is not easy it can be simple but it's not easy it's going to take work so along your journey to like to the reverse of the celebration has there been a moment where you're like i don't know if this is going to work i don't know if i'm going to make this and then how did you pivot from that mindset of like, this is terrible and then pivot to, I'm going to get through this. Oh man, a great question. I tell you, the answer is probably in the fact that this is the third business that I've started in my career. The first two, one lasted three years and the second one lasted about a year. Probably, well, not probably, they were undercapitalized. I didn't have enough money to handle the peaks Mm -hmm. and valleys, but I'd say more than that, I had two very good clients last year and my, my relationship with the companies that I serve through my business is usually with the chief information officer. They brought me in, in some advisory capacity or such, but these two clients and they were significant revenue for my business, both CIOs left those organizations. And all of a sudden I have no client, right? And it's like, oh man, that was brutal. That was brutal when you're kind of forecasting the revenue and all of a sudden the revenue dries up from, from two, I'm a small business. I have five clients, Mm -hmm. right? Those are my primary clients and go from five to three was a dramatic shift. And one of those times where you kind of want to go stare at your navel on a beach someplace and contemplate what it is that you're doing. But you do, you pick yourself up and you say, well, that's that. What do we, we, how do we continue on? Because you believe in what you're doing for people and what you're doing for organizations. And I picked up an additional client late last year and we're good. We're cruising along in 23. And I have, I have a handful of great clients and doing some really exciting work. So. Yeah. In those moments, like, I think they're just kind of like tests almost like, do you really want this? Like, because I mean, in reality, you could go find a corporate job. You could, I mean, with your experience and what you've done, like I could find a corporate job. Like, it's like, what do you really want? Like, is this really what you want? Like, because it is a test, like to be able to run the marathon, to be able to improve your athletic ability, to be able to read faster, whatever it is, you've got to put yourself through those strenuous moments, those hard moments, those moments that you just want to vomit and quit. And shit like, I'm all right. (laughs) To be able to grow, to go to get to that next level. But you have to have the choice. You have to make the choice. Like, am I going to keep going or am I just, 
Yeah. In, in my two previous businesses, I decided I was going to go get that corporate job. Yeah. Right? That's what I did in both cases. And there's uh, nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's seasons life. Like there's nothing wrong with saying, this is not working. Yeah. What do I need to do to survive? But what, like pivoting, like I need to do yeah. this to survive, but I know where I want to go still. It's just, you can, it, you can kind of shift. It yes. doesn't have to be a straight path. And that's what I learned when I started. Like my first approach was like, yeah, this is not going to work. This is, it, it was not right. And so pivoting and changing. And so I think, yeah, I think it's just, you have yeah. to celebrate the victories, but you also have to decide to keep moving forward in, in the hard times as well. Absolutely. Yep. You got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And if you got to keep your eye on the vision, right? What it is that you're trying to do and yeah. why you're trying to do it. Yeah. And that can help you weather a lot of storms. Absolutely. And, and it's funny you mentioned storms because like something that popped in my mind, I can see Lewis and Clark and his team, they're going across these Rockies in the winter. And so the weather's not going to be good. It's going to be yeah. rough. And yeah. I can just picture them climbing up part of this mountain and, and the snow and the, the wetness and the yeah. slickness and just losing their footing but sliding yeah. backwards like five steps or so and sometimes in entrepreneurship in our journey is like that's what happens yeah. like where hey we're cruising along yes this is a rough time and then you slip and then you, you take a step but you slide five steps back and it's like can i actually get momentum and eventually you kind of get over that peak and get on to the other side but it's just yeah, remember not like, a straight path it's no that's straight. part of it like yeah. sometimes you're going to have those moments of where it's like i just cannot get ahead but I'm going to do my best to keep inching forward. And I think that just helps build the character and it gives you those experiences as a leader that you, then you can share in the moments in the future when there might be some rough patches too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this has been, this has been a great conversation, Jeff. I really appreciate you sharing and diving into some of your Lewis and Clark leadership traits and your personal journey and, and how you've overcome and how you celebrated as well. To kind of round out this episode, if you could go back, if you could go back to your 25-year-old self, we'll say, <laughs> or go back to yourself when you started entrepreneurship, we don't have to say your age or date anything that way. Yeah, I can get back to when I was 25. <laughs> <laughs> if you could go back to when you started your entre entrepreneurship journey, what would you tell yourself? What advice would you give yourself? I tell you, I, it, it's, I would say continue to learn the way that you've always learned. I, and I say that because I, I would say things like, well, I stink at sales. Mm. Well, I never tried to learn sales right? and everything else that I've ever done in my life, I've done by continuous learning. And so I hired a sales coach, Emily Shaw, and she was fantastic and it made all the difference in the world. So I would say to uh, the kids starting out, the Jeff starting out, Surround yourself with really smart people, rely on coaches, rely on mentors and learn. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. And, and I don't ever stop learning. Yes. Because when you think yes. you know it all, that's a problem. And that if is the, a problem. If you're the smartest in the room, you're in the wrong room. So that's exactly right. Exactly. Um, so awesome, Jeff. Again, I appreciate you sharing today to kind of close things off. Where can people connect with you best and learn more about what you do? I'm a big LinkedIn person. So connect with me on LinkedIn. Real easy to find, Jayton Indy. I'm not so much on Twitter anymore, but uh, Jayton Indy there as well. 
or my website that you mentioned at the outset, jeffreystun.com. And of course, I do a weekly podcast, Status Go. It's focused on technology, which we didn't touch on much today, but that's where I do a lot of my work is in technology leadership. So we don't really talk tech. We talk tech leadership on Status Go. So you can find me there as well. Yeah, guys, definitely get connected with Jeff, especially if you're in the IT world and a leader in that world, in that space. And uh, yeah, just continue to learn. And uh, Jeff, again, we appreciate you being on Elevate Media podcast today. My pleasure, Chris. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Media podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. See you in the next episode.